that there'd be plenty of newspapers with plenty of different people controlling them, so that there's a variety of viewpoints, but there's a choice for the public. And you shouldn't be trying to turn this into a subsequent media circus. Good morning, sir. How are you? Have a fake conversation where yeah, no, we let's say, start again. Let's give it a crack. Let's start again. Um, Opheads is a podcast uh, exploring uh, exploring opinion of wait. Oh, God, we, I mean, you know, I was thinking. Ah, th- oh, we don't. I think like we just need to keep on letting it fall apart with every episode. We, <laughs> I was, I was actually th- what this show is. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking about it this morning, and I had it memorized, and now I don't know. I had it memorized for a while too, but now I don't remember. Opheads is, is a podcast about... exploring media issues and where uh, it, it, uh, Opheads is a podcast <laughs> exploring social and traditional media and where our opinions and perspectives actually come from. Actually, yeah, come from. Sure. You can't have you can't Close miss enough. the actually. With I know that's, that's actually the, that's where they the actually <laughs> where they actually me. come from. <laughs> <laughs> you might think that these were your opinions, but they actually come from somewhere else. Okay. Um, so th- <laughs> <laughs> Rachel's not getting to sleep early tonight, no matter how <laughs> no, short she was promised o'clock. it would be. <laughs> I wanted to be in bed at 9.30. Uh, Rachel's been in bed all day. <laughs> I have not. It's Rachel's birthday the day after tomorrow, Tom. How's that? Oh! Yes. By the time our listeners are listening to this, Rachel will be 32 years <laughs> old. Sam, <laughs> don't no, be so cruel. Happy birthday, happy birthday for that. From Milan to Michelle. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait. We're 31 minutes in. Let's, let's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Rachel okay. needs to get to bed soon. I'm sleeping. Okay, so we're going to. So it's just a default that, like, if we're recording, it means that Rachel needs to get to bed soon. Maybe she doesn't. <laughs> I do. <laughs> she does. Only because she wants to. In no world does Rachel need to go to bed soon. Seb. Rachel needs. <laughs> don't understand. Rachel needs more sleep than most. Because I she Rachel told me the most. 10 hours it's wasn't true. enough the other day. Yeah. It isn't enough. <laughs> Ten yes. hours I agree of sleep. with it. That's insane. You know, my I, I heard about someone we know who had COVID, and uh, and she was like, "Yeah, it's fine. It wasn't a big deal." And now she can't uh, she can't function unless she has twelve hours sleep or something. The doctor said oh, she's whoa. all fucked That's up. That's crazy. Oh Jeez. no. That's so scary. So this episode, we're going to do something a little different because normally what we would do is we would focus on one media issue and split up into three. Uh, Three directions, but I think this time it would be an interesting little experiment if we focused on one uh, media platform and looked at the way it deals with three different issues. So it's kind of the reverse of what we'd normally mm. do. <laughs> mm. Yep. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm, mm, mm. So I suppose what I suppose, I suppose this time we're going to do uh, U.S. media, and I guess what are we talking about? Like the big. Uh, how many <laughs> big five? Let's say there's five. I don't know how many there is. What like are we talking like any U.S. media or just like the main doing, kind of U.S. or just like Western media or does it have to be U.S.? I think you any U.S. media, any U.S. any U.S. mainstream media, like so that yeah. could be like even if it's like liberal or right wing or blah blah blah, mm-hmm. like something that's kind of um yeah something that's not like independent. I think yeah okay, and I guess okay. what we're discussing is so obviously so we wanted to kind of base it on um protest movements but obviously we can't research every single protest movement so um i think we've decided to do 
What were we doing, guys? So we're doing the Hong Kong protest movement. <laughs> we're from... specifying. I've been uh, sort of like a couple of different, just way how the US treats different protest movements from like the last five years or so. So I think yes. I've been tasked with Hong Kong. So mm-hmm. I'm going to find out what how the US talks about Hong Kong. Yeah. And I am going to focus on the BLM movement um, as that one was obviously a huge... Um, well, You're gonna I, tell everybody they don't know. They don't I was gonna say a know huge, how huge <laughs> it was. <laughs> it, I already said movement in the same sentence, and like I can't use the same word movement, again. Yeah. But anyways, it was a huge movement all over <laughs> the US, um, and I think that will be very good to see and compare to international movements. Uh, and I'm going to be looking at uh, the um, uh, the kind of like the um, Bolivian political ousting of their first indigenous um president um and uh the subsequent protest movement that happened after it mm-hmm. how big was mm-hmm. it i pretty big pretty pretty bloody big as far as i know I, the more some of the more sort of suspicious listeners might have noticed we're, we're doing something a little sneaky because i think this episode isn't so much about like testing our media bias and more discussing media bias in a pretty like overt kind of way so we kind of tried to pick three different protest movements uh specifically to kind of test and see how you know when the u.s might have interest in in reporting about it in a certain way whether or not like it kind of adheres to that idea and like kind of uh, it's it's more of an investigation this week than an experiment but i think I think it would just be satisfying to <laughs> to come up with some, with some clear results because <laughs> yeah. we don't often always come up with some very clear results. Rachel, I think it's a good time to to uh, – I'm putting one minute on the clock right oh, no. now. All right, yeah, Rachel's one minute of uninterrupted chat. No, I don't know what to talk about That's again. That's fine. You need to do it. Come on. I was going to talk about centipedes. Right, I'm, I'm starting <laughs> You can't talk about millipedes I'm, anymore. Okay. I'm oh, starting my. one minute now. Go. Okay. Well, I started watching that. Uh, reality TV show The Circle today. Is it, that's the trashy one on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah, it looks trashy, <laughs> very trashy. But it's fascinating. It's basically just like all these people that are living in this same building, but they're not allowed to meet each other, and they have to all be through social media. It's like, but then people can like be catfishes, and they have to try and get other people to like them and like trust them, and so they do all of these games and like they vote for each other, and it's weird. It's not great. It's actually a terrible show, but I find it interesting. And I was extremely hungover today. So I was like, well, I'm just going to watch some basic TV while I was kicked out of my lounge room. And that's one minute. Because of Zeb. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know how many times Rachel fell over between the Uber and our front door last night, Tom? How many times? Do you want to guess, actually? Ten? Two. I thought it was three. Oh, yeah, no, it was three. Yeah, three times between the Uber and, uh, and our front door. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I like I like to think that I like to think that your house is like at the is like at the t- at the peak of one of those like very high temples with the stairs <laughs> that go on. <laughs> so actually, I think that that was a fucking great effort, Rachel, Thank and I think you should so stop much. that. I appreciate that. Kick you while you're down. It was a great effort. I really did a lot. I woke up with a lot of bruises and scabs that I didn't know where I got them from, and I was like, "You guys, Ow. Are, you guys, are, you you know what I describe your your social life as? You you're gigging." <laughs> You're always going to gigs, gigs in uh, basketball, like uh, in school gyms and stuff. It looks like no, never been to a school scout halls. No, 
Oh, there's like there's a, a community bars. hall. We go to bars yeah, where that's they what I'm have the gigs <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> I, I described your friendship group as they're like funky young punks. They're funky young punks. <laughs> Lucy goosey punks. Lucy goosey. They're Lucy goosey folk. Yes. Yes. But uh, <laughs> I can tell you a little bit of uh, Tasmanian, fun Tasmanian news, Tom, if you'd like to hear it. Oh, I'd love to. A man... Uh, couple of weeks ago or a couple of days ago was, uh, um, in court, uh, this bloke named, uh, Edward William Gay, I think his name was, um, mm. for vandalizing, uh, excessively vandalizing, well, yeah, vandalizing a bunch of toilets, uh, public toilets in, uh, Glenorchy, which is kind of the rougher end of town, um, writing, writing things on the walls such as, Coronavirus, you maggot! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, he went before what? went before a judge today, and uh, and he said that he uh, he started the vandalism after he stood on a needle in one of the public toilets, and um, oh, and then God. the judge went, yeah, but you kept on you kept on vandalizing the toilets, don't you think that was a little bit excessive? And he went, yeah, nah, it probably was. <laughs> but do you want to guess fair. how old this man was, Tom? Oh, twenty. 69. 69. Oh, there you 69 go. 69 year old vandal. Coronavirus, you maggot. Why is, why is he. Why, you, I, I'm sick of like all, all the Australians, maybe apart from you guys, or like still whinging about coronavirus. You don't know nothing. There's zero cases. I know. And there was a girl. Oh, yeah, before. particularly in Hobart. There hasn't been a, in Tasmania, there hasn't been a case. In, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're, we're fucking still. Yeah. We've been sick. We're in a six month of quarantine. Yeah, well, you guys have just got to shape up and get yourself a. a um, an island, be an island, and you know, yeah, chop, really no, hard chop for anyone away. To. I've been saying it for years. Away. And the best, the best kind of graffiti we end up with is stuff like, um, uh, COVID nineteen eighty four. Yeah, we get a uh-huh. little bit of that. Yeah, that's funny. COVID nineteen eighty four. COVID nineteen eighty four all over the place. There's oh, heaps of stickers. I, for I it. haven't. Yeah, I've pointed them out heaps oh, of times. No, bro, COVID nineteen eighty four. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I like Good coronavirus. Stuff. You maggot, much better. I reckon it speaks <laughs> much more because it doesn't. It doesn't specify that it's. A, it, it doesn't specify what he believes. He just doesn't like it. And fair enough. Do we need to discuss any more <laughs> of what we're no, doing? No, I think <laughs> I, I don't know if there's an intro in, in that fifty minutes of recording. I don't know what the hell. I think surely that's all. That's all. That's all you need to know. Okay, well, <laughs> it was primo episode. See, primo. Um, and if if you want to, if you at home want to do a little experiment and um, just quickly pause this podcast and research uh, our three different. Uh, oh, research a different one. Oh, research another one, and then let us know. Well, yes. anyway, yeah. Okay. Uh, pause the episode if you want to uh, uh, look into. Um, uh, the Iraqi Revolution, or the Arab Spring, or um, right, <laughs> good goodbye, everybody. Right, guys. <laughs> bye, bye. This Take it made easy. any sense at all? <laughs> goodbye. Hello, listeners. This week on Opeds, Coward researched U.S. reporting of Hong Kong, listening to podcasts by the New York Times, watching videos by Fox News and read articles by Popular, Resistance, and more. Rachel read articles by the New York Times, Associated Press, Time Magazine, and more. For a full list of sources and more, head to www.cowardspace.com opheads.
Okay, well, okay, hello, well, guys. How hello, are you doing? Hello, welcome back. Was it was it weird for you? Guys? I mean, not so much for Rachel, I guess, but for definitely for me and Zeb. I feel I felt so weird delving back into two thousand and nineteen. Like to me, it just felt like such a like. It feels like the way the people are talking about like uh, like all this protest stuff, and they're like, "Oh, it's very strange to see all this emerging." Now it's like, "Oh yeah, is it?" Yeah, <laughs> to me, it feels almost like tame. Like, yeah, yeah. I found that. Uh, no, I I don't think I was. I wasn't really thinking too much about the timing of it. I think because like because I was like because I was looking at Bolivia, and it's such a kind of foreign world to me anyway. It's. Was, yeah, 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 right. I think I think also just because I, I like it was one of those ones. It's sort of like the bushfires where I remembered well, as soon as I started researching it, I was like, oh, I remember this. I remember Hong Kong, and I remember at the time, it, like it felt kind of like a much bigger deal to me uh, than it would now. Where like uh, to me, like uh, like and, and this is just very telling of like how much you know the kind of media I was absorbing. Like there wasn't that much protests like to me like big wide scale protests like this going on until about 2009 then all of a sudden it was like well there's protests everywhere but I don't know whether that's just because I started to actually like listen to what was going on a little bit more or whatever. No I always think about that too because I think like obviously Hong Kong similar to you Tom like I was like oh wow okay this is like really kicking off and then everything that happened with the BLM and then I think the BLM like opened my eyes to like protests around the world and I started being like paying more yeah, attention yeah. and realizing that so much stuff is happening and it's just chaotic the world is chaotic yeah the, like I, I think it was like for me it was like Hong Kong and I started talking to people like it's crazy what's going on in Hong Kong they'd be like yeah and Iraq and like yeah, you know exactly, all, like yeah. like five countries at once it's it's all going on and I was like huh yeah I know <laughs> I felt so stupid I was like I can't believe that I haven't been paying attention yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. like so ignorant to all of this stuff but at least yeah, now yeah. we are educating ourselves. Yeah, I think that's like one of the like one of that that is that is a good thing about BLM is that mm. like it kind yeah. of, I feel like it, mm. it forces people to start paying attention to like a like a broader picture. For sure. And I think yeah, because absolutely. it because it became such a like a social media activism people were able to say well if you're talking such a big game and like putting up all of these posts and stuff about BLM how can you be ignoring everything else because i think it was very like the public eye everyone could see what everyone was supporting and like sharing information and they're like well there's also this and and this and and this is is someone drinking is someone drinking a little a little <laughs> both drinking gin and tonics <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> nice one party party <laughs> We are out of all, all other booze, we've only got gin and Sprite. Fancy gin and flat Sprite. Very delicious gin. My work, um, we shot, like, they had a new brand design. And so we shot all of their bottles and, like, advertising and stuff. And so my boss gave me a bottle for my birthday. It was so nice. Ah, and now you're mixing it with Sprite. Yeah. yeah. Mixing it with but it's only a little Lemonade. <laughs> Little, go little on, go like on. a little insider secret for everybody. I got some celebrity gossip that I can reveal, which I, you know, this already. But uh, Why? what is the gossip? Oh, Usain yeah. Bolt. I can tell you what Usain Bolt drinks uh, from when he used to come yeah. to the strip club. I think club we've I used mentioned to work this. At. I think we've he, mentioned uh, this on the podcast he used already. Used to drink, um, and I imagine he still does. Uh, Hennessy, the most expensive Hennessy that we had at the strip club, and then Monster mixed it with Hell Monster. Yeah. Mixed it with what? Monster Energy, mate. All the bartenders of my work, they go, oh no, oh no. I said as a joke, I said, uh, I said, I said, um, there was expensive, 
there was no, there wasn't. A, okay, there was a, a customer who had ordered a very expensive whiskey and then coke, and they went. They were all going in a circle, standing, ba- holding each other's arms, going. I really hope they're not planning on mixing those two things together. <laughs> I really hope that. And then they were going, uh, and then I, and then I said, "What should you mix it with?" And they went, "Nothing at all." <laughs> the it's only so drink funny. that's like offended me so far as a bartender has been Midori and milk. It's a thing. People have ordered. I Midori and milk. I know that. Yeah, I've heard that's that. disgusting. Yeah, it's disgusting. And then at the strippers one time, someone tried to order a Bundy in milk, Ugh. rum and milk. Ugh. No, but isn't that a? Isn't that's that like a, a white Russian a, or something? Oh. Isn't it? I don't yeah, know. white Russian. Anyways, no, I find it very funny. We have lots of, I have a lot of bartender friends and they're all the same. Shamari, this is for you. Bar- bartenders and baristas, no one oh, cares yeah, about how, how interested in how much you know. No one else gives a fuck, mate. I'm so sick of people like, well, actually, it's like people, people that insist that they're, they're like, you know, their passion it, that everyone needs to have the same baseline passion that they do about like this very specific thing. It's just the most tiring thing where it's like yeah. someone's just not having a conversation about fancy barista or bartending and then they turn it into like one. Oh, hey, mm-hmm. Tom, oh. <clears throat> I'm going to have to butt in here and, and say that everyone should be as passionate about <laughs> um, high-end booze as I am as a bartender now. Sorry, it's sorry, very important sorry, that you got to. Bogue three X is the best is the best beer in the world, and <laughs> that and Cascade. Three uh, X. Actually, I thought you said. Actually, I don't understand. Being an older wine doesn't necessarily mean it is very good, you idiot. <laughs> it can mean many, many things, my friend. I don't understand that. What's joke. your confusion? That you like. <laughs> what side of what side of the, what side of the hill was that was that made on? Let's have a look. I think it was an eastern. What's I think that's happening? an eastern grape. What's going on? <laughs> Rachel's in a, fallen into a state. Why, what are you what are you protesting about, Rachel? I don't know. It Doesn't matter. Bergs, Bergs 3x. Oh yeah. Why do you like that? I thought you loved Cascade. I do, but I'm a Bogues 3X man. Since when? You Since would, forever. But you would always be like, oh, I can't wait to have a Cascade Lager, Cascade this, Cascade that. I'm like, why? Cascade now all of a sudden. This, cascade that. Yeah. Imagine. Cascade. Cascade. Such a mainlander, isn't well, it? Cascade. Cascade. Well, <laughs> well speaking, speaking of... Protesting. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> jump into. I'm gonna jump into Hong Kong. Thank I think God. it's important to mention off the bat before I start talking about Hong Kong. Uh, I, as far as I know, or as far as I'm willing to admit, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a shill for either. Uh, for either China or the US or the CIA or anything. I, I haven't received any paychecks uh, in my bank account from. Any of any political parties, and if if any of them want to send me some money, they'd be fine. I can start being a shill for any of them, but I'm not currently right now. I'm I'm looking I'm looking for a party to to shill for. Um, and I think that's the thing. Like with with Hong Kong is like, and this isn't really that relevant to like the episode we're doing, but I think it is frustrating that you can't. It's hard to find objective anything about Hong Kong because you know like. The situation is is kind of complex, but it's easy to understand when you don't kind of just get stuck in dogmatic thinking. And I think like you know, like the the two kinds of pieces on Hong Kong you read are like from you know communist like reporting or you know like pro US missing a lot of the points reporting. And I think like there's a there's a pretty understandable picture of what's really happening when you just don't stick to one. Uh, one side of the of the fence. So I'm sort of going for a healthy mix of of both, like um, 
pretty like like specifically not just like far left but communist sources and and also you know mostly i'm going for mainstream american journalism but i do think it's important to mix both because then you get a clear idea of the of the story and i don't really see any that that do that so that's that's i'm gonna admit that straight off the bat yes anti-tanky over here Tanky. Oh yeah, oh, the the fucking tank. Uh, it, the, you know, like oh, I, I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna start ranting about communists on Reddit. I, I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so no, if, I, I'll, yeah, I'll try and be very like tanky bait to the nth degree. Absolutely, bait? absolutely. And on the other side, it's also like you know, on on, and I'm talking really about Reddit, but you see so much really like just very, in a way, kind of almost blind, like just pro Hong Kong, like without like acknowledging quite a lot of the situation. On Reddit as well, like where really like the truth is sort of like the fusion of the two, I believe anyway. Can someone clarify what well, tank, tanky bait is, please? Can Rachel clarify what a tanky is? Tanky is. Tankies are just, well, like <laughs> usually it's like we're internet the, forum. We're on the radio because <laughs> Rachel's got a very funny, confused face on Reddit. I don't understand. I'm listening. <laughs> Shush then. I guess Continue it's just like, it, I guess it's just like communists that are, that are full authoritarian and and would like you know like celebrate people uh like celebrate communist um governments that were like, yeah, like especially like big fans totalitarian of stalin like or big fans stalin of Mao and, and yeah oh, Mao. Okay, okay. It's, it's like people who are communist like communists to the level of like yeah authoritarianism and and so yeah and to, the, and to the point where they have no criticism at all of China in any like China can do no uh, wrong yeah. like to the point it's where like, it's, it's almost like, there's it's a naivety like, about it anti western right. values in right. any capacity even if that means like sh- like shirking the things that maybe are good about the west or you know yeah, like the yeah, west yeah. in big quotation marks and so like the, yeah, exactly. because the china is an- because china is anti west tankies tend to be or leftist tankies tend to be super pro china which means that they're anti hong kong freedom because that resembles like leftist tankies yeah is that what they're uh, yeah well that's like a st- like yeah. a stalinist like tanky would be like a big fan of Stalin because Stalin was like you know in some capacity you know was a leftist because he was a social he was a communist. Oh, okay, okay, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, like just it, like if you know, like if you go so far left, you end up almost go full going, circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah the horse. Yeah. That's like kind the, of, yeah, kind of. Yeah, some would argue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, but I'll try. I'll try and explain the situation in Hong Kong as briefly as I can. In the late 1800s, at the end of the Opium Wars, uh, Hong Kong was a part of like the the treaty given to to Britain. So like Britain sort of took like a control of Hong Kong um, and sort of colonized it. But the the agreement was that it would uh, go back to China in 1997. Um, and and under this kind of. Uh, not not super vague, but like open to interpretation idea of one country and two systems. So that after 1997, Hong Kong would belong to China, but will uh, enjoy a high degree of autonomy and the democratic freedoms that come from the UK. Um, and that and that will go on until 2047, when it will just be directly, you know, in China's control. So it's so Hong Kong since 1997, it is a part of China, but it's kind of. Um, it's allowed. It's allowed to have a lot of democratic freedoms that, like mainland China, might not enjoy. Or, uh, yeah, it has its own kind of system. And since 1985, there's been free elections, um, and it's become kind of like uh, Hong Kong's a, a business hub. Uh, it's it's not particularly. I mean, like from a from a leftist point of view, 
uh, it, it's not a particularly nice place if you're poor or working class. Like, there's a lot of wealth disparity, um, and uh, there's like high levels of po- uh, of poverty, and like housing is super expensive, really low wages, really long hours. A lot of American UK. Uh, businessmen kind of make it like a port. It's like the most expensive city in the world. I've seen it um, being said. I've got a quote here from Sarah Flounders that for the last 10 years, wages have been stagnant in Hong Kong while rents have increased 300%. It's the most expensive city in the world. Oh my God. 300%. That's insane. Yeah. So uh, like being the way it is, uh, which I'll get further into, like gives, gives some context for like, you know, when, people are protesting to keep it that way. It's important to remember that, like, there's a lot of people who aren't particularly happy with the way Hong Kong's going right now and uh, a lot of money to be lost from um, Western business. Um, It's the way... the Who's kind of in charge is Carrie Lam. She's the chief executive. uh, And it's a little... This is where it gets a little convoluted and explains kind of what's going on with the extradition laws later. But so she's the chief executive. She's not voted in by the people. She's sort of chosen and, and then like a, like she's sort of appointed by a, like a series of people and then uh confirmed by mainland china so she has said herself like i've got a quote from her somewhere saying that she has two masters she's got the people of hong kong and she's got china so that kind of explains a little bit about like where her allegiances might lie um and then the way that votes uh the way that uh, bills and, and stuff are passed is through the legislative council complex which is interesting because, like, so there's 70 seats and 30% of the seats are elected by the people and they tend to be sort of, like, pro-freedom or anti-Chinese groups, like political groups. But then the other sort of, like, you know, slightly less than 50% are, like, this. it's a strange thing where they're, like, like, you know, almost half the council are chosen by business industry. So they're meant to represent different industries within Hong Kong, but end up being kind of tied to to business partners, which depending on which, you know, side of the political spectrum you read would, you know, determine that like, oh, well, that means that they're especially connected to the mainland China and other people would argue, well, they're especially connected to, to Western powers. But it, it does seem like for, like, from what I can see, they seem pretty connected to China, which means that like getting a, a bill passed is is a little a little murky when it comes to democracy. Okay, right. I think I think it's kind of one of these things where if you if you look at it in a vacuum, I think there's a lot of grounds for why it's an important protest to maybe get behind or or at least to sort of like have some sympathy for the people in Hong Kong. But I think the problem is if you look at if you don't look at it in a vacuum. Um, you know, at the same time where, like, you know, I, like I have actually, this is from a, you know, a communist uh, source, but uh, I have like a a little like explanation of like why in terms of what was going on around the same time, uh, Hong Kong feels a little different. A search for Hong Kong protests in October 25th, 2019 elicited 282 searches in the last month in the New York Times. For example, compared to 20 for Chile protests, 43 for Ecuador and 16 for ha- for Haiti. The unequal coverage is even more pronounced on Fox News, where there were 70 results for Hong Kong over the same period of four to three times for Chile, Ecuador, or Haiti, respectively. And this is, like, around the time where, like, you know, 100 protesters would die in Iraq in one week, and in Chile, 20 would be dead in two weeks. You know, that was kind of what was going on. Was in Hong Kong, you know, which I'll get further into, it would seem that there'd been no deaths at all uh, during some of the early protests at least. But 
there's also uh, some further explanation that can be, yeah, there's like there's more to delve into. But mm. so that if contextually you can see how this protest differs from other protests that were going on at the time. I don't really know if that matters, but it's interesting to look at. No, I think it does matter because I think it shows it obviously like shows the Western um, interests, you know, like the Western interests in Hong Kong. It's like a responsibility. Like it's kind of like, oh, we have all these interests in Hong Kong and so we need to show the world yeah. that we do have these interests and we care or like pretend to care. And so they need to show that through their media coverage. Yeah, exactly. And, and and I think that's important for as a reader, like, you know, because there's a lot of like economic and political interests that I haven't even discussed yet when it comes to America and Hong Kong, which I will get into. But I think it's also, it's interesting because as a reader, people connect with it uh not knowing, you know, not knowing some of the kind of more nefarious uh, connections that that America has to something like Hong Kong, but I think it's it is important to to note that, like, you know, there was a thing that I like came across in one of these um, articles. I, I'm not including in the research because it was just, you know, I don't, went on for age, forever. But it was like Noam Chomsky in Manufacturing Consent talks about like the unworthy victim and the worthy victim, and it's kind of this painting of like Hong Kong being talked about. Uh, like you know the the police brutality from China, which I absolutely do mm-hmm. think exists. I'm not like a I'm, again, I'm not a, like a China defender. I think China's fucking awful. But like when it comes to like something in Iraq where like you know like a hundred people are being killed, you know, yeah, on the streets, yeah. it's 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 interesting. It's very the, the actual. But I think there's also that yeah, level of um, like as I was mentioning, like the whole world was watching Hong Kong, and so China is obviously not what they did and how they tackled it wasn't great obviously but they weren't they could have been a lot worse if the world wasn't watching you know like I think that's why like in places like Iraq and like Chile can get away with it because the west is not watching them so closely and they're not going to have something to say when a hundred people have actually died because not everybody knows about it but everybody knows about Hong Kong and if a hundred people died during those protests then China would have like you know hell to tackle with (laughs) When it comes sure, to I, I, I also think I also think a big difference is that like China has a lot more control over the state than something like Iraq might have. It, Iraq's a lot more unstable than China has extreme control over its population. Yeah, yeah. And and there's stuff I'll get into later about kind of some of the stuff that may or may not have been going on kind of in the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> what but we I, do, but I haven't really shadows. even explained. I haven't really explained the extradition laws and how the protest began. Um, so in February eighth uh, in two thousand eighteen, there was video footage uh, of a couple. They they went off and I think on their honeymoon, the like the the wife was pregnant, and they went to Taiwan. Uh, and then there's really terrifying CCTV footage. They both go in together, and then after a week or whatever, they leave, and the wife isn't there anymore. Um, and they eventually found that this man, this this man from Hong Kong while he was in Taiwan, had, uh, you know, brutally murdered his wife. Um, and so then he, when he returned to Hong Kong, because of Hong Kong's sort of precarious uh, status as kind of like a, you know, like, a, you know, the confusing um, uh, legal situation, it doesn't have any extradition laws with most countries. So it doesn't have one with Taiwan, for example. And so... They can't charge him for the murder that happened in Taiwan in Hong Kong and they can't extradite him. So uh, there was sort of like, there was a bill put forth, you know, to sort of like, um, to sort of like, to, like to sort of create some sort of a pathway for extradition between Taiwan and Hong Kong. And somehow or other, China sort of stuck their nose in and sort of 
you know, like try to attach itself, which which is would be very different to a lot of you know sort of people in Hong Kong mm-hmm. who really like see it as like that this is China taking away their democracy and feel very strongly that this is just one of the ways that China is trying to, uh, you know, like. It's instead of waiting till 2047, now it's finding sort of sneaky ways to kind of like get involved with the yeah. the de- yep. democratic freedom of Hong Kong. Right. Um, so, so like, it, like essentially, like um, Hong Kong wanted to create an extradition process for a like Hong Kong citizen who had committed a crime, but in doing so, yeah. China then jumped on the back of that, and and then it became. About China versus Hong Kong, rather than Hong Kong. Yeah, well, they like, were trying to create an a, 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 an extradition agreement with Taiwan, and then China, China. It was sort of decided that, like, well, if you're going to do that, then you have to have one with China as well, which they weren't so open to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. The extradition law itself, it, it, I mean, I guess it, it kind of is just like, how much do you, do you trust that China's not trying to to stick its nose in? But I have seen that, like. It, it, it you know there's a, like quite a lot of reporting that it's like a, it is a case by case basis. Um, so the chief executive under this law would be given the power to begin the process of extradition uh, in case of countries seeking extradition where there is no formal treaty. Um, and so there's like it isn't it isn't quite maybe as open ended as like some people in Hong Kong may believe or maybe you know like this is just also the sources i'm looking at like this this a lot of the criticism obviously comes from like communist sources so that's you know worth noting but i mean like there are some people that would say that like it's symptomatic of china maybe trying to stick its nose in but it's not necessarily like there's a lot of protesters that'll say like if this law gets passed it's over for hong kong you know like it's a part of china now which i don't know is necessarily true it doesn't really matter what i think though Um, i think it's that it's just like, you know, it's the slippery slope argument. Like, as soon as this passes, it just proves that China can just butt its nose in and it can kind of pull rank when it wants to. And so it's kind of that idea that, well, if this happens, then anything is possible kind of thing, maybe? Is that the Yeah, I, I that guess so, get, yeah. Again, it's like it's like it just really depends on, on what you think of China. And, I mean, like, it, it kind of – it's sort of up to – Whoever, you know, like, I mean, you can't really predict the future, but it does seem like China would try and find a way to maybe sneak in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of, like, the kind of timeline of the protest, I'm not really going to get into it. There's a, there's a in, in, like, in terms of a strict timeline of what happened with the protests, there's a, a podcast I listen to by the New York Times Daily, which is called Why Is Hong Kong Still Protesting, which is a good summary of kind of like the movement of the protest, uh, the protesters. It's a lot. It's another one of those non-linear movements because it, there was a protest, the Umbrella Movement in 2014, and many of the members got arrested. Um, uh, the podcast kind of explains that like it's a student-led pro- protest initially at first, uh, at least. Um, they're throwing a lot of bricks and the police are attacking there's assumably no deaths, uh, but it's a big protest. I think that's the difference between that and maybe something like the Umbrella protest is like a lot, a lot of people get involved and it, and it's whipped up a lot of support. But what the what the New York Times uh, podcast won't mention is the involvement with the US um, and that it's quite a bourgeois protest. But I'll, I'll get into that. But I think like the 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 main the main sticking point that I think the New York Times seems to never discuss is that like the protesters wave a lot of U.S. flags, a lot of British flags. Mm. Uh, most of their signs are in English, and there's a lot of like 
uh, Trump come get us, like, you know, Mr. Trump, you have to save us stuff, um, which many of the protesters would report that it's just a, a good way and a smart way of attracting sort of worldwide and internet National, attention. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, attention of the US. Um, but I'll get into later how, like, the US is a lot more involved in the protests financially and politically. Um, but, yeah, so we've got uh, we've got a lot of pro-Trump stuff. Uh, in terms of, like... Uh, the the deaths. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I I'm not a big China fan, obviously, and I've and I've read the I've read a lot of a lot of the communist sources will paint China as being almost innocent. Like, like mm. China China were, like you know like Chinese police and Hong Kong police were expressing like extreme restraint, which I don't think is necessarily true. Um, and like while I've spoken about how there's a vacuum, there's there's still the potential that there has been many deaths that have been covered up, which sounds like very conspiratorial, but yeah. the protesters insist that a lot of protests are going missing. And it's the sort of thing that the CIA does in America. You know, like I've I've heard reports of that the similar kind of things happening after the initial Black Lives Matter um stuff at like, you know, around the same time period. Yeah. Um there's a there's a case that most people will point to, which I'm not gonna get too far into, but I think is a really interesting read. Um in 2018, so before these protests, there was a a guy called uh, Lam Wing Ki who owned a bookstore that sort of like sold subversive books. They were kind of like these <clears throat> parody books and um, kind of uh, uh, like sort of uh, – what's the word? Like, you know, like they were sort of – there would sort of be these scandalous books, fictional and otherwise, written about kind of some of the higher-ranked Chinese Communist Party members – um, and they were banned. There were legal books, uh, and the mainland wanted to shut him down. And they, they there's this a, a very long piece he wrote, in, like what well, he was interviewed for the New York Times, uh, called "The Case of Hong Kong's Missing Booksellers," which is a really great article. But basically, uh, it's it's a really interesting story. But he was basically kind of abducted, uh, taken over to Ma- when he was like coming back from mainland China. He was abducted, taken to a hotel, and sort of like him and a bunch of other people involved with this book selling were kind of like pressured into pleading guilty. Um, and he sort of, when he got back to Hong Kong, kind of like made a made a point of like speaking out against the kind of stuff that was going on. And like if you read it, it's it's very you know like getting thrown around hotels and shouted at and like it's it's an interesting case and it kind of does lend some credibility to the idea that like you know china would pluck people out of the streets um yeah so Jesus, that's so intense yeah that all being said i'm going to finally get into the u.s coverage i just feel like that that's like all important for the context um the first one i'm going to jump into comes from our uh i think our op-ed's favorite paper the atlantic <laughs> which is this yeah, mad article uh it's called america's role in hong kong uh and most of it is a is an interview with um is it rubio i think it's rubio let me check who's rubio marco rubio is that who Mar- talking marco about? rubio the republican senator who's oh, a okay. madman so it mm. begins so this is sort of like in terms of the US uh, and their involvement within Hong Kong and why they should be involved at all. It begins like this. Hong Kong's pro-democracy protest movement, the David to China's Goliath, is calling out to the land of the free for help, and help may be on the way. The question is whether it will be substantial enough and fast enough and have the support of the President of the United States. For months now, a small but zealous contingent of the American flag-waving protests have been a, a fixture of the huge 
demonstrations in Hong Kong, including today when dozens of people again carry the US flag during a rally held in defiance of the police ban. Last weekend, tens of thousands of protesters marched near the US consulate in the territory, singing the star-spangled banner and carrying signs that urged President Donald Trump to liberate Hong Kong. Um, more, and then it you know goes on to discuss that like a more realistic way that America could help is this uh, bill that they were trying to pass in Congress called the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act, which would grant the United States uh, means to defend the territory's freedoms and autonomy. So then there's this interview with Marco Marco Rubio, who you know, I, I like from what I know about him, he's, he's out of his mind, um, and he sort of like uh, points out that like th- th- this is something I want to quote. Uh, that scene near the consulate a week ago was a vivid reminder that America is still a potent symbol of democracy and freedom around the world. The protesters see a country where people vehemently disagree on public policy and they say horrible things about each other, but no one goes to jail for it. That's what he believes that Hong Kong see the US as, which I think would be God. interesting to <laughs> pair with Rachel's uh, <laughs> Rachel's segment later <laughs> So, in theory, this bill would equip the United States with plenty of economic and diplomatic leverage to influence Chinese behavior. And this is, you know, in the context, a lot of this is with the the trade war between China, which I think is worth noting. Um, So then there's this uh, interview, this is still the Atlantic article, with Dennis Kwok, a member of the city's legislation council, who... uh, Goes on to like criticize Lamb. He says that Hong Kong must work because it's an international city. That means everyone, especially Western nations, have a stake in Hong Kong. Uh, and then we he goes on about that and how like the U.S. Um, in August, uh, him and some other Hong Kong lawmakers traveled to the U.S. Uh, where a nonprofit organization is sort of funding <laughs> a lot of like the Hong Kong resistance, um, which is all pretty open faced. And there's even stuff that isn't like that. Uh, then we then I've, I've picked one more quote from Rubio at the end. Um, the fact that we can't ultimately control the outcome in Hong Kong entirely should not prevent us from doing something, he maintained. Rubio said that the red line for Congress would be a violent crackdown by Chinese forces on the protesters or a loss of Hong Kong's autonomy, which he described as already tenuous. Uh, asked whether he has a sense of the White House's red line on Hong Kong, he responded, no, I don't. <laughs> so it's just like interesting to see this, especially paired with something like Black Lives Matter and how eager like, you know, Rubio is to kind of like get involved with Hong Kong's policy making. Um, the next article I read was uh, in the New York Times. And it's an interesting article to sort of like, I mean, it's written as I think often New York Times does. It's very illustrative and it, and it sort of talks like it's very, uh, it's, it's almost narrative based. It sort of is discussing what it's like to be on the ground in the protests of Hong Kong. It's a good piece to understand kind of some of the divisions within even the protest in Hong Kong, because I think a lot of, uh, a lot of articles I've read will paint them as like the whole of Hong Kong is fighting for democracy. Uh, so later on after the protests, he sort of talks to one of like the, the leader of the protest movement. And I think it's interesting to kind of, this is sort of like the world that they seem to inhabit is this very, like at least the New York Times would um, illustrate it as this sort of lots of meetings by service stations and slinking into the shadows and people in hoods that call themselves no name and like they'll run at the slightest fear that the police are coming and, and you know, make off down like smoky street corners. <laughs> um uh, he's talking to one of the protest leaders later outside of a 7-Eleven. I mentioned some of the recent reported instances of vigilante justice in which the protesters had launched attacks on other civilians. We don't beat up innocent people, no name said, fixing me with the stare, before going on to express a common belief that thugs were sometimes de- de- uh, deployed to attack protesters while the police turned a blind eye. 
If the police don't do their job, we must send a warning through our actions. And to those who abuse us, he went on, what we protesters are practicing is not violence but force. If you abuse force, that's violence, but you can also use force to express justice. And then he slinks off down a back alley. <laughs> um, uh, uh, then uh, I, he asked no name if he believes the theory that protesters might be you know, being plucked up by the Communist Party. He took a gulp from his soda and told me it was very possible. Still, could the police successfully silence the family and friends of three people indefinitely? No name looked at me hard under the dim lamplight. Do you know how easy it is for the police to just disappear, people? He said. You have no idea what they're capable of. Which, you know, could be very true. But, um, I don't know. Like, I I think the New York Times wants to paint Hong Kong as being this very, you know, shadowy, uh, you know, I don't know, like a illustrative landscape. Um, and then it goes on, like, he's in a massage parlor later and he's talking to, uh, Ah Ying, who, uh, discusses, like, you know, like, he asks her, like, you know, she's a mainlander, she's, uh, like, seems to be a fan of, you know, the Communist Party, and he asks her, like, what would you say if you found out that your daughter was, you know, working with the pro-democracy movement? She says, uh, he says, Ah Ying v- tense visibly, I would beat her to death if she dared, she said. Right. A while later, a man clutching a cup of coffee wandered in from the back where he'd been playing mahjong with another masseuse. Speaking to Ah Ying in Hanese, he turned up the volume of the TV, which showed protesters burning the Chinese flag. Fucking terrorists, he muttered. Turning to me, he repeated the same statement in Mandarin, perhaps expecting an easy nod of agreement. When I said that I was still trying to make sense of the situation, his brow creased. Don't you know what's going on, he said. They're madmen destroying the city. It's clear if you aren't a patriot, otherwise you'd pay more attention to the matters of the state. Before I left, a friend of the masseuses stopped by, a stout, round-faced woman, also from the mainland, bearing a satchel of fruit. She passed around some grapes, and while she complained about the steep decline in customers at the food store that she ran, uh, the women consoled themselves by talking about a trip they would take back to their respective homes in the mainland. In January, Hong Kong, they agreed, it never felt festive. People kept their tiny apartments. There was no requing way, a, a phrase invoking a collective human spirit. Ah Ying's friend nodded and said, it just never feels like home. So I think it's I think it's a lot of stuff I just read out, but like I think it's important to note that like the I don't know like it's it's interesting to see to kind of build the case for like who is protesting and what for, and I don't know like if I care whose side I'm on or what. It doesn't really matter, but it's interesting to note that like a lot of places will talk about like it's Hong Kong fighting for its freedom, it's Hong Kong against the mainland, but it's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Um, so then getting into Fox News, which I find weirdly to be what I can see to be the most honest US reporting because <laughs> it goes wow. on to like, it confirms a lot of stuff that like the, you know, the real like especially snooty communist uh, sources that I would read kind of, it kind of goes on to kind of confirm them, for, but for entirely different reasons. So there's like one, uh, it's an interview with the National Security Council official Brigadier General Robert Spaulding. Uh, and it's it's discussing the airport protests when the Hong Kongers were occupying the airport, um, and it's during the trade war, like he, like heavy in the middle of the trade war. Uh, and uh, so when asked whether or not like you know what he thinks about the protests, and I think this is interesting because this will definitely be something that will be interesting to compare to the Black Lives Matter stuff. Um, uh, Brigadier General Robert Spaulding says. A little more than 240 years ago, those kids would have been our founding fathers, actually fighting for our freedom rather than Hong Kong airport. It was Boston Harbour and they were tossing tea. The King of England was calling them terrorists too. Um, then he goes on to like criticise Obama for not getting involved in Iran in 2009. Uh, and finally he says, 
We have to stick to our principles because no one else will. You're not going to see Europe stand up. You're not going to see Asia stand up. You're not going to see the UK or Germany. It has to be America. Um, so and then he, when they talk about like, like why does Hong Kong want America to be involved, he says, well, think about us. We were going to France for help when we were fighting for our own democracy and they're looking for outside help. They know the Communist Party can crush them. So I think it's really interesting to see the way he talks about like, <laughs> like protesters and comparing it to like American history when yeah. <laughs> undoubtedly we're going to see something different for BLM. Um, <laughs> then there's this mad bit where they start talking about – I mean like the, some senator called Tom Cotton just posted this on Twitter. It's not anything that official. But he talks about like he he, de- he has a, a series of demands that America need to do to like, you know, stand by Hong Kong, which are, you know, go from things like halt trade negotiations with Beijing to the expulsion of all like Chinese national students. Like, oh, <laughs> to, like what? To, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he, but he's asked to comment on it and he says, like, how likely do you think Tom Cotton's demands are going to be met? He says, not likely, but we do <laughs> think we, this is the, the Brigadier General. It's not likely. We do need to think about how involved we are with their economy and certainly their financial system. Hong Kong is a window to U.S. Western capital markets, so their ability to get U.S. dollars comes through our special relationship with Hong Kong. Uh, and then goes on to just talk about how the U.S. makes the world safer and blah, blah, blah. We know the, the story there. Makes um, the world safer. Oh. Yeah. The next, the, the, the next fucking uh, Fox News thing I watched was from a show called DEFCON 3, which I, I really recommend watching. It's good fun. <laughs> it's movie? really intense. Yeah, but this is Defcon Three. <laughs> it's really good. Um, Wait, so the, you watched a, like a segment called Defcon. Yeah, in Fox News they have a segment called like Defcon Three, which oh. is like serious chat about oh, like okay. world events. But isn't it a um, movie? So isn't Defcon a movie? Defcon. Five Defcon is something to do with like the possibility of nuclear war happening. I yeah. think oh. like if you get to Defcon Four, that, that means. Talk about. Oh, okay. I must have just heard it in movies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Cool. Cool. Continue, Tom. So, so it begins with the journalist saying, Chinese pro-democracy demonstrators have taken to the streets of Hong Kong and the Chinese media, state-owned media, has said it's all the fault of the Americans. Joining us is Michael Pillsbury, who's a former Reagan administration official. He goes, <laughs> so, and she goes, so what do you think? Is it all America's fault? And he says, it's not our fault, but we're partially involved. We have a large consulate there that is in charge of taking care of Hong Kong Policy Act passed by Congress to ensure democracy in Hong Kong. We also have funded millions of dollars in programs to the National Endowment for Democracy to help democracy in Hong Kong. So that, in a sense, is not totally totally false which is mad because it's the same thing that like the communist parties talk uh a lot about like different american parties getting involved with hong kong policy as like a, as though it's a mm. cover-up but he's on fox news just being like yeah moving to like a kind of summary i think there was you know in terms of like the the nature of the protest there was a, a the last video we'll talk about was one by uh vox um, and I think it's an interesting video to watch knowing all this now because the way that like they sort of will – the way that they'll sort of present Hong Kong is very interesting because they'll, they'll talk about like – they talk about how Hong Kong is like uh, – like, you know, like it's all of Hong Kong against mainland China. And I've seen like some statistics that show that like actually a lot of Hong Kong is – aren't that interested in, in being independent. It, like I saw one um, one poll at least, and maybe this was really taken out of context, but like only 10% of people actually voted ever for independence from mainland China. Um, but this Vox, this Vox video talks a lot about like, you know, like a lot of interviews with students. And I think an interesting point that I think it accidentally makes is 
it talks about how, like, you know, 2047, in 28 years, when the arrangement ends, there will be Hong Kong's professional class and it's their future, it's their Hong Kong. And it, like, talks about how, like, the, the reason why this protest movement is so important is that most of the people, like, you know, the people that have joined it are the lawyers and the doctors. And in the in the article, the New York Times, in the New York, um, no, New York Times article, you know, he meets with, like, one of the sort of ringleaders who's like a, you know, a university professor. So I think it's, it's what, what I think is interesting is like when we're talking about who's processing in Hong Kong, it's like exclusively run by the professional class. And there's a lot of like, when it comes to the wealth disparity and, and the fact that like a lot of people aren't, I don't know, like, you know, personally, I don't know whether or not they're, they're going to be any happier under like an authoritative communist government. I'm not making that point, but I do think it's interesting to to look at like, uh, you know who is who is protesting, and then the way that like Vox will paint it to be the entirety of Hong Kong, when it's really mm. just the entirety of Hong Kong that middle class uh, Americans can kind of relate to. And it comes across as the, um, like when you mentioned before, like the bourgeoisie protests. Mm. I mean, the protesters, they are the ones that are going to benefit most potentially from a non-China governed Hong Kong. Yeah, exactly. And 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 su- and suffer under a Chinese uh yeah, when like you know, it's there's a lot of money coming in through Hong Kong. Yeah. And I think like it's it's in like I'm going to sort of read some statistics about the US's involvement, some like very nerdy stuff about the US's uh financial involvement with the protests and we can there's another thing we can absolutely cut down. Um Alexander Rubenstein of Win Press News wrote the coalition cited by Hong Kong media, including South China Morning Post and Hong Kong Free Press, as organizers of the anti-extradition law demonstrators is called Civil Human Rights Front. The organization's website lists the NED-funded uh, Human Rights Monitor, Hong Kong Confederation of Trade Unions, the Hong Kong Journalists Association, the Civic Party, the Labour Party, and the Democratic Party as members of the coalition. They received more than $1.9 million in funds from the NED between 1995 and 2013. Some believe the protests are too big for the US to control and point to the amount of money being spent by the NED. If the populations of Hong Kong and the US are compared, $1 million in funding for the movement in Hong Kong is the equivalent to $60 million in the US. So, I mean, like, when we're talking about these protest cultures, which are usually run on, like, you know, grassroots shoestring budgets, there's that much money coming in. And there's reports that like, you know, I mean, and obviously a lot of what I'm getting comes from communist press. So let's take it with a grain of salt. But there's been a lot of reports of like CIA agents, you know, meeting with some of the student protesters, US lawmakers, you know, photographed like having meetings with the protest leaders. I don't know what that necessarily means, but I think... You know, like, I think, like, I think what I do see in terms of, like, my opinion, which doesn't really matter, is that, like, you know, like, when we have protesters that are meeting with Trump, calling for Trump, you know, Marco Marco Rubio is very behind them, and just the US in general is behind it, then maybe there's a point of being skeptical. I don't know if yeah. by, 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 like, as a blanket rule, if the US is involved with something, it means that it's nefarious. But I think... I don't really know if that matters. I think, like, I think yeah, it's just I think important it does. to. I think it matters. I think because uh, I just think, and but this just comes with like obviously a skeptic's view of the entire world and like the way that like trade and like negotiations and the way that like different countries are invested in other countries. I will always be skeptical. I'll always be like, well, why are you so interested all of a sudden in supporting these protests against like a governing? 
um, regime or whatever because there's always going to be an interest. Like, the, I mean, sorry, there's always going to be a – what am I trying to say? Ulterior motive. That's it. Like an ulterior motive. Like they're going to get something out of it if they're going to be supporting these protesters. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I think I, it's good to be not skeptical but it's good to question it and it's good to be like, well, don't take it for face value and kind of look into it more. I think I think knowing like what you're supporting is important because, you know, like I think like, and I don't, I feel like I've accidentally come off. The, I'm, I'm not like, I, again, I'm not a shill for the US. I'm not a shill for China, <laughs> but my bank account is open. I can leave my details if you need. But I think, I think it's like the difference between me and maybe some of like the more far left or specifically communist voices that I've read is like, I don't like, and you know, it, again, it doesn't really fucking matter what I think, but I think, you know, like, if people need to know what kind of protest this is, what the kind of people that are protesting and what that means. And I think deciding whether or not that means it's valid or invalid doesn't really matter. But I think it's what's more interesting, obviously, is like the, the, I think through that we can see some of the reasons why the US would approach it like this when we don't look at it in a vacuum, um, which I think yeah, yeah. is a yeah, and important I think way of sort of launching into, you know, the rest of this episode. Yeah, I think it's a great – it's an interesting point because, like, the way that they treated their own protests within their own country and the people that were protesting compared to the way they treated Hong Kong protesters is just mm, mm. very vastly Up different. Worlds <laughs> apart, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like also in a lot of um, my social bubbles, people are not willing – like, Zev and I have talked about this before, but people are just not willing to mm. criticise – other countries that are not Western countries. Like I think people get into this weird mindset where they're like, oh, we can't criticise China or we can't criticise like, uh, I don't know, or many other countries, Turkey or like so many other countries that are obviously doing terrible things to their people. Yeah, yeah. And, like even India, like it's taken people so long to realise what is going India on is there. Fascist. It's India so is fascist. so fascist. I know. And people it's are like, mad. oh, no, we can't talk badly because like, you know, they're different cultures and I'm like, just because they're a different culture, it doesn't mean that their government is not, you know, fucking Bad. people's lives. But I, th- but I think, I think I, I think I was in that place before. And I think it's when, when you're all of your, not necessarily like your politics, but like your opinions come from what your opinions aren't as opposed to what they are. Yeah, then yeah. like, if you, if you just like, you know, like I'm not going to, I'm going to be anti America. Like I'm going to be anti, you know, like, Western now, which just mm. means like, and and too worried about like I don't know. Yeah, it's also people like, and I I know that I stumble upon this even during this podcast, not knowing enough to talk about anything properly, and so it's just easier to just be like, oh yeah, I don't know. So they just don't bother like having an opinion about it. The way I always put it uh, is like, like as long as it comes down to like oppressor versus the oppressed person, mm. you know, yeah. like. Mm. It's like it can actually be so simple if you just think about it like that. Be like, yeah, yeah. Because it's like every time, because <clears throat> I remember it happened one time. Bridget like accused me of being so anti-Turkey that I was basically being racist against Turks, which I was like very frustrated oh. to hear. Because yes. like, very dude, harsh. I have no opinion on Turks. I have an opinion about a Turkish government and like a Turkish state. But um, yeah, but it's like when you say that, you're kind of like, kind of like passively defending Turkey. And in doing that, you're screwing over another group of co- like people, people of color, you know. Yeah. Like, and and if you're yeah, worried yeah, about yeah. If, if it's all boiling down to this like racist idea of fucking color, yeah. then 
you're still, you're still, someone's still getting really badly hurt by like towing, you know, the big bastard. Absolutely. Line. I think, I think it's almost more racist to assume that like, if you if you're against Erdogan and maybe some of his supporters, but you're if you're against the government, then you're against every person who's the same skin color as exactly. that, as that yeah, government. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, absolutely. It's mad yeah. to me. Like, there's no people yes. in mainland China who who don't like the and also to be able to like look at something like China and say, oh, there's there's things that China are doing that are better than the US, and there's things that they're doing are worse. Like, like you know, it's like to look at like that's what I'm trying to do with the, the Hong Kong thing. At least is to look at it like, like. I don't know why it's so hard to go, yeah, China are probably doing some really nefarious shit in Hong Kong and China are fucked up and yet they're probably trying to seize control of Hong Kong. But also, so are the US. I don't know yeah. why you can only yeah. think one or the other thing when both things are true. Like, it would seem to be true, you know. No, it's, I think it's just people's ways of dealing or compartmentalizing things in order for them to understand. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think a lot of the time, especially when it comes to politics, we're so ingrained to think it has to be one or way or the other way and it can't yeah, just be yeah. like understanding all of the different layers and all of the different aspects the nuances, of yeah. Yeah. I think I, th- I, I also think that like a lot of this stuff just comes from um, it stems from like the, the fact that like a lot of people around our age is like lens into politics comes from identity politics yeah, yeah. where things absolutely, can be yeah, absolutely, yeah, as much yeah. as it's a weird pun like sort of binary you know it's mm, like you can't just be right or wrong yeah, yeah. and it's like if you're against trans people you're a bad person it's like that is a real like that's a fair enough statement to a certain extent but yeah. like yeah yeah it doesn't it does like you can't take an attitude of identity politics and apply it to geopolitics mm. and like and think <laughs> absolutely that it's be yeah just it doesn't simple, work you know? yeah i think it's also that but i think it's also culture like i think people exactly, like yeah. it just like only can explore politics and, and ethics through culture and like i think mm. that that that's where you get these black and white narratives because it's easier yeah, to like. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you can't criticize a culture. Like, I think that's like one of the biggest faults of like the identity yeah. politics thing is that like you can't criticize a nation. Like, you can't criticize a culture because in Australia you can't do that. Like, you can't go yeah. around saying yeah, like, Indian yeah. people are the worst, but you can go around saying that like India as a nation in the yeah. way that it operates is the worst. And I think it's, but it's yeah. also like um, distinguishing the two. Like culture is also extremely different to government and governing and like national politics and all that kind of stuff. It's like culture mm. is the, distinguishing the two is very, very important. And I think it comes from, and I'm not having a go at people, but it does come from like this white privileged perspective of not understanding people of colour or like people of colour's cultures or just different cultures. And so that misunderstanding or that level of not understanding and just blanketing it being like, oh, people of colour, culture. Mm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's like, oh, that's yeah, just yeah. an ethnic culture that I don't understand. Yeah. And you get like a stupid thing, yeah, like, say yeah. like... um say like if you're talking to a, a Turkish a Turkish person who is like super progressive and really anti Erdogan and then <laughs> you're like, Oh no, oh well you can't go criticizing Turkish culture to like that yeah. much, you know, like or like you know, say like uh mm-hmm. like um domestic violence is a huge problem in, in mm-hmm. Turkey and that's a cultural issue. And mm. You can't, like, you know, if you were to criticise Turkey's, like, uh, or someone was, if, say, the Turk was criticising Turkish uh, domestic violence and then going, oh, well, well, hey, we can't be sitting around having a conversation criticising Turkish culture. That's, like, yeah, you know, that's know, their culture. Yeah. It's, like, no, it's still an issue that yeah. they have, you know, in the same way yeah. that yeah, we're yeah. racist as shit. Mm-hmm. Turkey, like, you know, has a problem with domestic abuse and racism and genocide and, Everything you know, any else. other number of things, but... 
Uh, it drives me it's nuts. Very it's, frustrating. Yeah, it's racist. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yes. As a very, very base level of what the problem is, it's racism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, anyways, let's leave that all right. Patreon Absolutely. bonus. <laughs> all of that, yes. <laughs> That's good. It was a great discussion. Mm, Patreon bonus. Patreon. Patreon. Patreon yeah. bonus. You can pay 100 euros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hear us have a... very self-righteous conversation. It's not self-righteous. <laughs> yeah. Was it? Nah, if, we, if we released it, if we released it as, as just that, <laughs> it would be. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I think the whole podcast is self-righteous if you really want to think about podcast it. Podcast, by definition, it has to be a little bit self-righteous. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. True. And racist. We just try to do it, do it in the elite. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, right. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. so speaking of... Criticizing Turkey for 15 minutes. Yes, yes. Okay, well, leading into racism, I mean, from racism into more racism, we are starting, <laughs> we are going into the BLM movement. So, yes. all right, I think this is like the most um, popular of all of the protests that we have researched. <laughs> With, within and our listenership, I think for sure, right? Like, Yes, yeah. I think so. Like, if no one has heard of this, you have been living under a rock, Um more so than me. I live under a rock, so I've heard about this. <laughs> um, so. I know. <laughs> oh, did you hear about this crazy thing? Anyway. <laughs> Imagine if that was true. Oh, that would be wild. <laughs> I'd be like, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. Okay, so, um, so I didn't really do, like, I didn't go into, hold on, I need to take off my, I'm getting very hot. Give me one second. Rachel's about to get very passionate. She's got to take off her dressing gown. <laughs> trying to trying to dodge the mines. <laughs> All right. So I didn't do a heap of research into the facts, but I guess I'm going because I just assumed. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> you have a way of phrasing things very funny. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I listen to you, our episodes and I'm like, oh, Rachel, what? What's, why did you say it like you, that? You I'm mean like, you oh. mean like you mean like the the timeline of like a like the is that, is that what you mean? Like yeah, the, I guess like, like going just pulling through fact, like, this happened. Like, that happened. Didn't have to. You didn't have to refresh. Yeah, because, like, there was a lot of information yeah, that I already knew. knew. Yeah. So I, this is coming <laughs> yeah, yeah. from my own personal bias, guys. This is um, <laughs> you know kind of contradicting the podcast thesis. Motif. I don't know. Anyways. The wrong word. <laughs> and I just, I'm a writer and I'm like, I am the worst speaker on this podcast. No, Rachel won awards for no, I disagree. Uh, public, public speaking. speaking. I did. I won many awards <laughs> when I was back in my wee days. But I've lost a lot of my intelligence since then. Before the wine. So, all of the wine. Too many wines. Okay. Okay, guys. So as every most people know, the BLM movement is surrounding itself self around the concept that Black Lives Matter. That's what it stands for. BLM, Black Lives Matter. And what real when it, don't laugh at me. You're really distracting I'm me, Zeb. I'm Trying smiling. Trying to be explaining. Okay. And so the whole movement comes from police violence against Black people and the disproportionate. Um, amount of black deaths in police custody. And so this started back in 2013 following the death of Trayvon Martin, um, who was a black teenager who was shot while walking to a family friend's home. And so that happened in 2013. And so the hashtag Black Lives Matter started trending on social media and it was instigated by the woman Alicia Gaza. And so after that, there was like small protests. It was nowhere near as big as what happened last year in 2020, but there were small protests happening around America at the time. 
And then, though, then over the next few years, there were several other black deaths in police custody. Um, Eric Gardner died in New York City after a policeman um, put him in a chokehold while arresting him. And then another t- unarmed teenager, Michael Brown. So that was 2014. And then more protests started happening. They were very peaceful. There wasn't a lot of riots. Um, do you think that there do – you, do you feel that there was like – I mean, like, you know, just from – the, the research you've done that like it was more this is where like the issue of like um in america of like you know police uh targeting uh people of color became much more like a, a household discussed issue after the after it went viral on the internet or do you think it was sort of like an extension of an already building culture no i think well it depends on from what I was reading, so okay, I think it comes down to in my social circle in New York and like obviously the people that I spoke to, it did not become a thing until like at least like yeah, 2017 yeah. people started right, talking then about it, it a more, little bit yeah, more. Okay. But I think in the media for sure, like it only started kind of being talked about in 2013, but also barely. Like it was very much like it would happen, like there would be protests and then you'd hear nothing. And then yeah, um, right. another black death in custody, maybe a protest or two, and then nothing. Like it mm. very much like subsided very quickly and the media responded right. that way. And I think that was the thing about Ferguson was that Ferguson lasted a few weeks and that was like, mm. a, I think that was like the first big protracted sort of like response to it. Yeah. I suppose like it, it, what the, I, th- I guess the v- virality of it, like of, of social media is the difference between something like the LA riots, which kind of comes from a similar yeah. kind of idea. It, the difference is how easily widespread it can be with social media. Well, I don't know if that's true. I'd feel like that anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean like, I th- feel like the Rodney King, like the Rodney King yeah. tapes with the LA riots kind of like they went viral on the news, you know, like everyone ended mm-hmm. up seeing that video in the way that it would have been posted on Instagram now. Like it kind of like had yeah, the same yeah. effect, but yeah. just it was much less accessible. But I think it's no, but I guess people would watch the news. Like everyone watched the news back yeah, then. Yeah, but it was just like it had to get onto the news. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's true. But anyways, um, and so then, yeah. So from 2013 up until 2019, um, it was very much... Uh, like Twitter, social media, all that kind of stuff, a few articles. And then in February 2019, when 21 Savage was arrested and detained by um, ICE, that also started like a whole other kind of – it was still under the um, banner of Black Lives Matter, but then it also brought in the concepts of like immigration and all of the fucked up shit Mm -hmm. that ICE was doing and like all the deportations that were going on. And so I think – Based on like my research over the Black Lives Matter hashtag from its inception in 2013 till last year, 2020, there was a lot of different um, other kind of move, uh, quotation mark movements because they're not movements. They're just obviously political and social ideas that people have been wanting to change mm. and it's been a discussion. But they've also been used under the Black Lives Matter hashtag. So like say like transgender right. rights and then like the ICE bullshit and all that kind of stuff that was going on Mm. and then obviously like women's marches and stuff like that like a lot of women's marches there were black women holding up like black lives matter um Mm -hmm. signs and all this kind of stuff so it's i think this umbrella term that included a lot of other minorities and underrepresented groups of people and it Mm. kind of had that same intersectionality 
um, which I thought was really great, but like it wasn't really discussed in the media. It was very much just like, right. this is Black Lives Matter and they're, now they're protesting about like transgender rights and that kind of thing. But they didn't go into mm. the in-depth of like why the two like kind of um, intersect and like the relationship and why they're important for both kinds of communities. That was mm. just coming from like my own knowledge. So yeah, and so then this obviously leads to last year and the Black Lives Matter protests that happened after George Floyd's death. And so for anyone Mm. who doesn't know, George Floyd uh, was a black man in Minneapolis and he died when a policeman had like pushed on his neck for how long was it? It was like something ridiculous. It was, it was like, like nine or ten well, minutes. Well, it was like a couple, yeah. couple of minutes or something. Yeah, yeah, it was like nine or ten minutes and um, and he was like saying, I can't breathe and he eventually died. And mm. so this happened on the 25th of May last year in Minneapolis. Um, and then the next day was when uh, all of these people took to the streets and started protesting the death of George mm. Floyd and the fact that this video had gone like viral all over Facebook. And so all of and it was just getting shared like all over the US. So then that's when like the kind of the violence from the police started occurring. It didn't really happen straight away, but because the protests after George Floyd were very, very mm. passionate, more protests happened across the US. Like they started popping up in so many cities and They didn't stop. Like, I think this was the thing that Mm. I, and that like kind of distinguishes these protests of 2020 to various other BLM protests in the past were that these were continuous protests. Like it would go, Mm. people would be out protesting during the day and then the next day they'd be out again and the next day and it would continue and it continued for weeks. Like this went on for, it went up until like July. Starting from when, sorry? So May, it started in the end of Mm. May and then there were protests going through till July. And Mm. so the bigger ones that kind of the rest of the world really saw was obviously Minneapolis because that was where it started. There was uh, Portland um, and like New York, LA. um, Seattle. Seattle, that's right, yeah. Uh, So like obviously all of these started popping up and I guess this brings me to the whole COVID situation was that – there was so much tension when all of these protests started happening because everyone was like, oh, my God, you know, COVID, no crowding, all that kind of stuff. But then in certain cities uh, like New York, de Blasio didn't uh, use COVID as a reason to stop the protests because he was like, there have been no spikes, there have been no increases since the protests began. So we can't really blame them for the spread of the virus. Like he's like, well, it's spreading anyway. So, which was, you know, I thought. You have more than the most. Yeah. (laughs) But on May um, 28th, the Minneapolis police department's third precinct burnt down. And that was like a huge spark. And that's when a lot of uh, the media and stuff like that were relating it to the LA riots because of the imagery that was kind of occurring. And like a lot of the pictures and stuff we were seeing resembled the LA riots a lot. Mm. Um, okay, so then on the 28th of May, and this all happened in such a short period of time, it's crazy. Like 25th of May, George Floyd dies. They start protesting the next day. And then on the 28th, the Minneapolis mayor like deploys the National Guard in Minneapolis. Like that's how very passionate and intense the protests got. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of it has to do with like I think it's like uh, you know just how brutal the murder was, and the and the video footage. Like, it, not that it should like be. 
I don't know, like like I'm dancing around my words, but not that it should be more compelling because it's more violent. Like it should just be everyone should be as passionate just hearing about it at all. But I think just because of the nature of how clear it was that it was a murder and not like there was no room for anything else and like oh, how yeah. out in the open it was yeah. and like I think it's just you know like and, exactly. and the timing you know yeah and I think that was also another thing like a lot of um, some articles that I was reading kind of were discussing how it was like the prime moment for a protest like this to become mm-hmm. so huge because everyone had kind of been spending so much time on social media, like on the webs, on on the webs, <laughs> on the interwebs, um, <laughs> there and like people were kind of stuck at home, and it kind of gave everyone an excuse to be interested in something and to like be passionate about it, and like forged everyone together um, over something that wasn't just the pandemic. I think it also like it also had like um, I think like the kind of like growing political <clears throat> unrest in the states when you look at things like uh like the unite the right rally in virginia mm, yeah and like there was all of these kind of like the like the whole left versus right thing was getting so intense that mm. like it did kind of need to come into like some sort of like broad thing that could be like this is how yeah. we exert yeah. this sort and of the like fact that it was yeah. an election election year last year and, and such was a contentious like election so year like, you know. yeah exactly like politics was already on people's minds and like it was already going to be and the way that like Trump was handling the virus and everything like that people were already really they were on the verge of like I mean not on the verge but um, paying more attention to politics, like paying more attention to how everything is being dealt with and how the system is creating this infestation of corruptness, you know? Like the way that um, uh, America's like even healthcare system and everything, like the way that they were dealing with the virus, there was all of these criticisms. They were like, well, we were yeah, never yeah. designed to be able to do it. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. But um, it was everyone was on that mindset, you know. It it, it got it got you know people that it's it sort of like middle class people to sort of have to find some side of like the political spectrum that they might not normally whether or not that like had much to do with like and it was yeah, obviously exactly. also the emotional yeah. impact of like how mm-hmm. uh, you know like coming to a head everything was and how fucking awful the US is and how f- the frustration of people is so clearly evident in the in the on the ground protest culture like you can see it without much you know uh yeah i mean you know i'm just yeah. speculating with you but i think it was also it was very much a uh, and as again like as the blm hashtag it started off as a social media movement and it became a lot more tangible in the protests that followed in 2020 but it still had that social media element like i think it had that was the driving force behind it and like that's what caused it to go so international and protests were happening like the uk australia like berlin like they were happening yeah. everywhere and it was all because it was under this umbrella term that black lives matter but it also it uh equated to so many mm. other people and it had that connection to so many other oppressed communities and minorities that felt victimized by systematic mm. racism and police brutality and everything that was going on and it kind of was just an excuse for not an excuse that's not the right word but it was the um the symbol i guess that people then were yeah, brought together yeah. and were able to actually like go and feel like they were ha- having their voices heard and doing it in a very practical way. And, you know, way, burning down a police know? station and, and, you know, opening up a an autonomous region in the middle of Portland does feel different than a lot of other... Was, uh, Seattle, in Seattle. Oh, Seattle, sorry. 
Same oh, diff, the same city. <laughs> but no, but yeah, exactly. Because it was, it was kind of, I don't, again, it was hard to do research where there was like um, explanations or reasons as to why, because everyone had their yeah, own yeah. opinion about like why this time it was so potent and why they were able to create an autonomous mm. zone in Seattle. And there was not really any good facts mm. behind it all. But it was just, it was, it felt like it was just an accumulation of so mm. many years of all of these injustices and it finally kind of just reached mm-hmm. its peak and people were like, I've yeah, had enough. Yeah. It's kind of a big explosion. Like the, you know, it starts off about George Floyd and then it, and then it kind of like transcends into like uh, police brutality and then it transcends into like your own local police mm-hmm. brutality. Yeah, exactly. And so like the, you know, like the hundred nights of protest in Portland, they weren't protesting for George Floyd necessarily. They were protesting for, they were protesting against Portland's police yeah. and like mm-hmm. their involvement with the Klan and mm-hmm. all of these. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then the protests were no longer just about George Floyd. Like they were about Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, obviously yeah, George yeah. Floyd and all of the countless other Absolutely. black people. But it became like it was about them. And I think that's why it was also – it spread so quickly because I think so many, like at least every community in America would have had one black person mm. that was – killed by police or um and so it like we brought them together because they had this connection they had this understanding because it happened in their neighborhood and it happened mm. in their community and it was no longer just George Floyd it was about that other yeah, person and, that they knew and, and that specific person and, in. and it felt like it was also like sort of attacking the roots of like you know defunding the police is the answer to it's you know like you know going like the, I don't know, like in some states and in some cases, going like further than just don't do this to like how do we how do we cut this at the roots? You know, like how do we get to the to yeah? Because I think it also it came to the point where, and I think this came under Trump and just seeing how ugh, just horrible he obviously he was, but people were starting to realize that in order for real change to happen, it needed to be done in very mm-hmm. tangible ways like we couldn't just keep talking about it because talking about it had done nothing and like talking about it still led to Trump being in power and so people were starting to realize no 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 we need to actually be taking action and steps in order to see this change yeah, yeah. occur um and so yeah anyways um so that's kind of a very broad spectrum of what went on and obviously like these protests and stuff were going on for like I know like my friends were like going to protests in New York like every day mm. for like weeks and it was and they and this kind of brings into the Hong Kong protests where a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I knew and even seeing it on social media were using those yeah, Hong Kong yeah. protests as examples in the way for them to like protest safely and like all of the tactics of like not showing your face and like yeah there was you know, a handbook bringing, right yeah yeah, like there was like a little, um, I remember a figurine, <laughs> not a figurine, I guess a figurine depiction of what to wear when you go to a protest and like all of the things that you have to bring. Um, so yeah, so this was all going on. And then obviously Trump being such a spokes, a loud man in his um, dealings with the whole thing, just started labeling all of the protesters as Antifa and was wanting to call them, and like was calling them terrorists. Like I didn't go down mm. that rabbit hole of reading his Twitter because I find that infuriating and I never want to do that. Again, it's gone. And 
it's gone that's true but um it was very much i just from memory and like from um articles that i was reading he was just referring to them yeah as like terrorists and like anarchists and all of this kind of stuff and like wanting to name antifa as like a terrorist organization and i'm like okay i think successfully right no, he didn't do it because ah, Antifa never, is not an organization. Like he can't do it. He couldn't do that. Um, but then he started obviously threatening like the National Guard. And the National Guard was sent to various cities. Like it was it was sent to Minneapolis. It was sent to Portland. Um, and then this obviously created even more kind of tension. And then there was even more violence. And these protests, for anyone who doesn't know, were very violent. Like the police were um, – tear gassing protesters they were like beating them with batons there was a lot a lot of violence and when people talk about the protests it's very different based on what I was reading where like um the New York Post and like Fox News were calling the protests violent and aggressive and Mm. like terrorizing and then other articles like the New York Times and like Time Magazine and the Associated Press discussed it as like peaceful protests where the police instigated the violence and so it was very much based on what I was reading very very different opinions in the way that they all stated the same things in terms of like it was caused by George Floyd it was this these were the reasons but the language that they used was very very different and like this is what I think our podcast is always about in how it very much like even just reading um like I thought um the New York Post was supposed to be a you know a relatively progressive Oh, they I didn't, realize, no, it. I didn't really no. I didn't realize it wasn't. And so I started reading it and I was like, oh my like a, Oh my god. Like, they'd They're like defined like rag as a new like newspaper rag. Oh, mm. okay. Well anyways, they're owned by News Corp, which I didn't realise. And I was like, oh, there you go. So I found that out. And as I was reading it, I was like, oh, oh, oh my, okay. And then I had to look into it more. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's why you're using words like rioters and violent thugs and all this kind of stuff. I, did, I was like, Jesus. I did a similar thing with The Atlantic where I always thought The, the Atlantic was a kind of a pretentious, sort of snobby, like, you know, centrist paper. But I'm starting to suspect it's a little – on the right of things from like the most yeah. recent like reading anyway, like I don't know. They claim to be sort of like taking in a a nonpartisan approach, but I don't know. A lot of what I read mm. is very snooty and shit. Yeah, well I mean they uh, they uh, made all those uh, nasty claims about ICP, remember? They took down those juggalos. Oh that's right, sure. yeah. Bastards. Yeah. So the protests weren't actually the protesters themselves were not violent. There were um, a lot of cases of looting and a lot of cases of like vandalism and kind of like property destruction. But I think what I I tried to research this, but like it was very hard to find any information where they distinguished the looters and the vandals from the protesters. But mm. that is a distinction that I remember at the time was very much like posted on social media being like, these people are not necessarily the protesters like sometimes these are just random people rocking up and looting and vandaling and kind of like pinning it on or using the protests as an excuse to just kind of run amok and like a lot of protesters were trying to say this isn't us like this should not be used as examples of what we're doing we are being peaceful we are not being violent in these terms but just because of everything that was going on these things were occurring 
but it wasn't necessarily protesters who were doing these things. And so, but the media did not portray it like that. The media was just like, oh, it's because it's happening at the same time of these protests. It has to be the protesters and they are being this, these like destructive criminals kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which I like, again, I'm reading all of these things through my own bias of like knowing what was going on and like my friends like being there and ex- talking to me and explaining to me about things and like seeing their videos yeah, and yeah. like, realizing that obviously this isn't the case i think it'd be really interesting to parallel like some of the quotes from like uh that i read about like you know the people who were protesting protesting is an integral part of like the u.s and and like you know everything like throwing the tea off the ship and then compare it to the kind of (coughs) if some of the quotes from like your sources (laughs) i really think yeah okay i will read i'll read some so i did have uh so i had to watch i didn't watch all of it because i was like this goes for like 45 minutes but i watched the tucker carlson fox news tonight segment Absolutely um, he is a, yeah he's a nightmare yeah, so he was mad. saying what did he say he called them highly aggressive emotionally charged um forcing people to obey their will and <laughs> then um he basically was just like having a go at like um the mayor of minneapolis and I was like, okay. And then just kind of, but he was just being so gross. He was just being like, oh yeah, like these are rioters. And he's like, no one is actually supporting the idea of defunding the police. And it's like, he's like basically talking and going on this rant saying that these protesters are like manipulating everyone mm. and like making them think that all these things are happening. And he's like, when have you seen this? This has never happened. This hasn't happened in your neighborhood and all this kind of shit. And I was like, oh. yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So I didn't find a, f- that a far cry from the same uh, news channel talking about Hong Kong is like <laughs> the warriors for, for freedom. That's what this country yeah, is. Found exactly. About. <laughs> and yeah. then they're saying all this shit about their own, like uh, people so this was uh some quotes from like people who were interviewed from the the protests the blue lives matter rallies that were happening and so they interviewed like people who were at the blue lives matter which for people who don't know was police yeah pro-police yeah so he was saying it was from some guy he was like it is by the grace of god that we don't have dead officers today and adding that officers were being targeted regardless of race or gender (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. A shader allegedly bit one cop on the leg as she was taken into custody. And then it was just kind of like talking about using like words like – and in only interviewing like the people at the Blue Lives Matter rally rather than like yeah, the yeah. people from the BLM movements. And then they were always uh, like talking about how like destructive they were and they were like Well I think that, I think there was a good quote in the Gilets Jaunes one that I remember that translated roughly to something like you know, it was talking about the Gilets Jaunes, obviously. But it was like the a reporter admitting that like yeah, it's a lot harder to sell stories about candlelight vision uh, visuals than it is to sell stories about people throwing bricks through windows you know like I think that's very relevant when it comes to BLM because like well there was a lot of like uh well seemingly like a lot of like you know destructive and and different form of protest there was also a lot of peaceful protest and and that wasn't really covered by the media nearly as much yeah yeah I agree I think because it's you know violence sells newspapers people are going to be more interested to see like destruction and chaos because that's like out of the norm than for people to just be like oh so nice and happy (laughs) you know 
I think an, um, an interesting an interesting thing during that that I remember reporting wise was the difference between like the reporting of someone like Kyle Rittenhouse and uh you know so like you know, if like when when from this is going from memory but like you know when if someone would set fire to a police truck it would be presented as like you know oh it's anarchists and and even by people within the protesters like oh it's these strange anarchist like uh people that like insert themselves into the protest we don't know who they are blah blah blah. but then like when kyle rittenhouse which is a complicated case like shoots two people and like a lot of media portray him as some kind of a a hero like a white dude shooting a bunch of black protesters during the um you know one of the blm protests yeah it's just interesting to to note the delineation i think yeah, yeah. But I think the thing that I found, um, like I struggled with was so many, I had to go back and like read articles, like directly after all of these protests started happening, like in May, June last year. Last year. And so there were even um, like the New York Times, there were like various articles where they did refer to the protesters as rioters. But now when mm-hmm. I read articles from like a couple of weeks ago or like in a look back on the BLM movement, they view them as like um, these protesters who were like these kind of champions of freedom and all mm. like painting them in such a different light and very, very positive. But yeah, seeing that transition right? was very interesting to see how like obviously with so much traction, the uh, New York Times is going to like view this very differently and write about mm-hmm. it very differently because of the way the rest of the world received it you know but uh yeah. but I did expect to see that more I only did see that with like maybe one or two articles but most of the most of the newspapers that I was reading like the New York Times Time Magazine Associated Press Pew student newspapers BBC News those kinds of places all um reported on the BLM protests as very much like yes, this needs to be happening, we can't deal with this bullshit anymore, very much like painting them in a very positive light. And so I was very disappointed because I'm like, well, I thought there was going to be a little bit more. (laughs) No, no, (laughs) in terms of production. I mean, not disappointed. (laughs) I mean, like, I don't have much to say. I'm like, oh, you're just agreeing with, well, I'm just agreeing with them. But I did, I found it also very hard. I don't know that many right-wing publications and so I was trying to find like conservative media but I was like ah, it's just like Fox News some CNN stuff um the New York Post but I couldn't I didn't know where to look my research skills are not the best so I was like just kind of reading the same things over and over again but I I get that I think it's I think there's actually something that like you touch on there where I've noticed a few times in a few episodes that it's important to like that I find only from the show to like, I assume that a lot of stuff that you see on Twitter or like that people are posting on Twitter and and goes kind of like viral and is discussed is, is the media and it's not, you know, and I, and I find a lot of things like, I think even in the first, one of the first episodes we did when we were talking about the bushfires and we were like, Oh yeah, the media was reporting that like, uh, the bushfire started because of arson and blah, blah, blah. And then Zeb sort of quickly discovered, like, no, was, that was a Twitter thing. It's social media. It's not yeah, the same as yeah. traditional media. I think it's interesting to to note, you know. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I also think that we have these ideas because it's based on, like, small snippets of information that we received at the time and then the way that we reacted to it. And so we look back at that and we're like, oh, yeah, they said this, this, and this. But that's actually not the case. We just kind of... I know that I do this. I overreacted in my mindset on like something that was said when then I look back and I'm like, oh, that actually wasn't said. That was yeah, but I think completely it is also fabricated. 
it's the broader strokes as opposed and like yeah. the, you know yeah. turns of phrase as opposed to being like you know maybe fox news is an extreme example but yeah you're not you're gonna run into as many things being like oh they're all a bunch of uh you know like i don't know just the terrible things that they might yeah they might, yeah 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 interesting but, but that's yeah you know, that's the part of the show no bro like you know i know yeah so that was good it was kind of I guess to sum up that aspect of what I researched, very much the way that they talked about the rioters and the there's just so much to discuss in this, but the uh, the relationship between police and the defunding of the police was like a whole other element to the way that the media kind of discussed that, mm-hmm. and that was very controversial because there were so many different people talking about like we don't need to defund the police, like why are we trying to do this? We need our policemen, we need our protection, and then there was all that talk about like not all cops are bad and like all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was kind of there was bullshit. like yeah, and so that was like a whole other side to my research that I just don't know if we don't have a lot of time. So that's not super important. But anyways. But I think, it, I, think it, I think it's 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 different than, you know, when they report about Hong Kong and it's only, you know, these these secret freedom fighters and everything they do is wonderful as opposed to like picking and choosing angles depending on what side of the protest movement you're discussing. I think is there's a parallel yeah, yeah. to be drawn like For sure. And I think it's because as I mentioned before, the BLM movement stood for so much more than just Black Lives Mm -hmm. Matter and just police brutality that there was so many elements that was being discussed in the media. But then when you really just narrowed it down to police brutality, the systematic issues within um, like law enforcement and police departments and all that kind of stuff, there were so many people Mm. with so many different opinions. And I read a lot about like the people from like the Blue Lives Rally Matter, I mean the the Blue Lives Matter rallies and them kind of just being like, you guys are the BLM protests. Are you guys are being ridiculous? Like, how can you even think of getting rid of our police? Like, this is bizarre and like not the right way to go about things. And then all of the people discussing like defunding the police and then all of the research that I did with what that would mean and like how would you actually implement Mm. all of this kinds of stuff. And then um, Minneapolis did it. Like they defunded their police. Yeah, but they haven't. They haven't. I know, but they've passed. But like I mean, there was. No, 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 they did. They passed a bill. I, I just looked it up. They haven't. Oh, really? Oh. Okay. Yeah, but it's, it seemed it seemed for a while that, that that was even on the table is crazy. Like I think considering yeah. Yeah. like yeah. Well, even New York, like even New York, um, the mayor and like the governor and stuff were discussing it and were discussing the ways in which they would do it. Obviously, none of this has actually happened, but the fact that they were talking about it and that it's still in a lot of like AOCs, like politics and stuff like that, it's a talking point and a talking point eventually stems to some sort of practical change you know yeah you'd hope so for um, sure i think it's definitely like a pol- it's a it, you know there's a lot of momentum behind it and i think yeah, that's not yeah. it's easier said than done when it comes to protest yeah, exactly and so i guess in some small summaries um there was around 19 deaths reported over the blm protests last year uh mm. but that is also People have disputed that. They're saying that there was yeah, probably yeah. a lot more. And then there was over 14,000 arrests um, made yeah, last yeah. year throughout all of the states. Uh, and, again, I don't know if that means that all of these people are in prison or if, they're char- if their charges have been dropped or whatever. It just mm. says that they were arrested. And then there was obviously, like, countless, countless injuries 
because of the police's response to the protesters. Mm-hmm. Like a friend of mine was hit by a policeman and her front lip like exploded and I was like, oh, oh Jesus, my God, yeah. that was really intense. Yeah, yeah, um, no, they're fucking monsters. So yeah, and then like that was, I don't remember, I just remember a lot like of people saying that lots, everyone's getting arrested, like you need to do these things, but I didn't really hear about deaths. Like I never remember hearing about the deaths of people during the protests. That was not something that I found through my research. I had to look that up. But on there was Wikipedia. some there was definitely some shootings like from the far right and uh like you know, I remember some around yeah. Seattle and Kyle Rittenhouse as well, like I remember. Yeah, I just don't I, I I guess I just don't remember hearing confirmed deaths. But they have been. Yes. So I feel like I have not done this justice at all no i don't but think so i think i think there's it's the, a lot the, to discuss <laughs> i think that the point of the experiment is not to is to just see what comes out of the research so i think you know yeah, by definition true. like well, yeah, yeah exactly yeah i guess it was interesting to see very much the tonal um ways in which media presented them presented yeah, yeah. the protesters themselves i think i think that was the one thing i took away from it was that they were very clear about the facts and like very much like yes this happened and like the reasons behind why it all kicked off but mm. it was very much the way they presented the protesters themselves being yeah, like criminals yeah. or being like you know freedom fighters was very different and i think that was the only difference that i could really take from various mm. media sources Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a lot to talk about. <laughs> it's also because we yeah. all sort of know and don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but good job. <laughs> thanks. thanks. <laughs> I think this week has been a good example of like two very different kind of uh, discussions on protest movement. And then so next week we're going to have the sort of big finale, which I think like, I don't know, Zeb, maybe you can hint at whether or not it feels like it's going to be much more uh, evident on like the US's uh, – I know, like, some of, the, like, the reasons behind the reporting being the way that it is. Yeah, well, I guess, like, to hint, I'd say that, like, the way that um, the US talked about uh, Bolivia kind of combines the way that it talked about... Well, I'm, yeah, uh, it's 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 different from Hong Kong, definitely, you know, like... Uh, because the US was so... In- that doesn't matter. I can't get too into it. I'll explain everything. Uh, Give us a spicy... I want a, I want a you fucking gotta, you spicy teaser. You've got to get people teaser. hooked, darling. You've got to hook, hook them in. <laughs> Come on, sir. It's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to hook you on, on any journalistic stuff when without just providing any context for the story. Well, if that's not a hook. If you're not hooked now... It's interesting then, to see how, they, how they've started talking about uh, Janine... Um, what's her name? Agnes. Janine Agnes since she's been arrested. Who is oh, there we go. See, do with that information what well, you will. Well, you'll find out if you tune into the next <laughs> episode. Hooked. Then you'll find out. That you, <laughs> you know, I'm fucking me. hooked. I want to know who's Janine. Man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think um, I hope that everyone's enjoyed part one and will continue to tune in for part two, and that you found everything interesting so far. If you have uh, any feedback, uh, it might be that we've already recorded by the time you send it. But it's interesting to to know what you guys are thinking and and to know whether yes. or not. You agree with our assessment and, you know, let is us know. Is a tanky? Is he? Am I a tanky? Has it happened? Am I a tanky? Who knows? <laughs> I Do I have know. a second Twitter account and a second bank account full of <laughs> Chinese money? Shield cash. Which I don't know. <laughs> What's it called? Shield cash. Yeah, shield cash. Come on. I'm hey, looking, to, I'm looking co- to actually uh, to 
uh, get some more money, I want to get another fish tank. So if, if anyone does want to send me money, I'll, I don't care what political party, Have you what been country, saying wherever. Shill this whole time, Tom? Yeah. I thought you were saying shell and like you were being like, oh, I'm not a shell for this or this. And I was thinking, you know, shell being like a vessel. What does shill mean? Okay, kind of the same stooge, thing, I guess. Yeah, like oh. stooge. Full. Full. I don't know, Rachel. These are just words that you learn from being alive for a, a while. I've never heard of no, the word it's not shill true. before. I think. I think. I think this is. Uh, I think this is just speaks to me and your interests, Zeb, more than more than Rachel <laughs> is lurking, lurking around the internet. Yeah, <laughs> the depths yeah, of the internet. Lurk the yeah, internet. Yeah. I don't know how to navigate the internet properly. I feel. No, so neither do I. I don't know why though. <laughs> I don't know why though. <laughs> I feel like I'm a, I'm like a, on the internet, I'm like a, a little hermit crab rolling along, picking <laughs> bits of seaweed and sticking them on my back so I look like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you are trying to be a real crab, but really, you're a hermit crab. A hermit crab is a yes, real I'm crab. I'm just a hermit crab. Hiding at home. Um, yes. Uh, so, next week, we're going to be discussing uh, Venezuela. Bolivia. And we're Bolivia. also going. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> it's Bolivia, not, no. it's <laughs> <laughs> oh no next week we're going to be discussing bolivia <laughs> and we're going to probably touch on a few other things maybe we'll try and uh like discuss some more about like you know some of the manufacturing of consent or whatever we're going to call it and then uh a little bit of uh, jackie chan mayhaps it's a nice a little finale bit of chan, a little for this very oh, not heavy. nice no it's a sad story well, pop culture Sorry. references. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rachel. <laughs> yes, and next Jackie week and let's his do something punching light. <laughs> let's uh, for for our next topic, let's do a light episode. I reckon. Yeah, I agree. We're due in. Uh, yeah, for sure. For but sure. our topics are never light. Like they always tackle. I mean, we can do some more celebrity. Gossip. I want to do. I want to do some goss. I want to do I some like goss. goss. I want to do too. my Yoko Ono one if it has enough legs. I'm interested <laughs> yeah, to do yeah. Oh yeah. Because I feel it's, like I was like concerned fun. with how gossy we were getting, and now I'm like kind of yearning for goss again. You need to be Let's gossy. Let's go back to the goss. Gossy helps me because I'm the gossy. I'm the gossip of the show. Mm. So it helps yes. me feel like I'm being smart and know that what I'm talking about. Well, speaking speaking of speaking of gossip, for any of you gossips out there who want to gossip to your friends about our show and tell them how <laughs> wonderful it is and, and, and daily friends, oh, I know the show. This is really good. You should all listen to it. <laughs> we very much appreciate it. But thank you for sticking by and, and giving us the feedback you're giving and, and listening. Um, if anyone wants to follow the show notes, you can head to www.cowardspace.com slash opeds and you'll find it there among other things uh, to check up our sources in case we fucked it up because there's a good chance we did. Uh, we're also on Instagram at Opheads uh, Podcast and Twitter, but we don't use it. But if you if you follow us, maybe we will. Maybe <laughs> we should. That's a threat. Oh, it's too much work. There's too many things to nah, do. No, nah, no, we will. We will. We will. It, we will. Eventually. We eventually. Will. If we build it, they will come. Come on. That's true. What was? What is that for? What? What? Translated from initially from cuneiform, the ancient Mesopotamian yeah. uh, stone tablets. It, it's been oh. it's as old as time. Yeah. It's <laughs> transcended into a story yeah, about Rachel, baseball fields. Rachel's <laughs> confirming this information that you're giving us right now, Tom. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yes, yeah, that's there. right. Yes, yes. The Mesopotamia <laughs> stone. Yes. <laughs> yes, cuneiform. That's what I was saying. Anyway. Before vowels. Right. And if anyone wants to give to our Patreon, go to patreon.com/slash/opheads, uh, and you can give us give us all your money, please. 
We're on Patreon. It'll Look literally, it'll be fun, guys. You'll get to hear me actually know things. That's where I keep all of my my knowledge for our Patreon. This yep, and uh, podcast is me just blabbering and saying, I don't know what's going yeah. on. <laughs> We, we, we've got uh, videos of us rap battling up there, doing push-ups, dancing, anything you want. We've got a cameo account. We'll say hello to your friends and relatives. <laughs> Happy birthday. Yeah. And we'll sing to them. We'll make a little song. That'll be fun. I'll sing. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's a love how genuinely keen you are on this. Um, if you want to follow, if you want to follow my writing updates, you can find me on, on most things at uh, cowardspace underscore space. Uh, cowardspace.com follow me on Twitter if any of you have Twitter I really I want Twitter Twitter friends I'm enjoying Twitter and I want to keep enjoying it but I don't know anyone who's on it so please 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 help help me out help me out on uh, yeah. Twitter okay I don't follow Twitter if you want to follow me you can follow me at Rachel underscore Morrow or you can follow Pockmag, which is a fabulous magazine celebrating and spotlighting diversity, which is P-O-C-C Mag on Instagram and Pockmag.com. Yeah. You can follow me uh, walking down Elizabeth Street in North Hobart. He's got a big, bright, bushy rainbow wig. He's got lovely bell-bottom, bell-bottom jeans. Yeah, and he's yeah, got a big, sweet strut. Big as afro. Shaking hands with everybody I walk past. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> Tune in yep. for part two if you want to. <laughs> See you yeah, later. We're about to Bye. Bang on to two hours of recording. Bye. See you later. But there'd be plenty of newspapers with plenty of different people controlling them so that there's a variety of viewpoints and that there's a choice for the public. Uh, no, no, not, 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 not any crimes. Yeah, no, we're not going to bring it around. And you shouldn't be trying to turn this into a subsequent media circus. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning.